sometimes you have to take a step back and remember what matters. Welcome to the Corpreneur Podcast. I'm Ann Arvizu, and I'm inviting you to hop on the fast track from corporate to freedom. Freedom. Executive experience combined with the mindset of successful entrepreneurship will leave you unstoppable. Unstoppable. This content will help you become centered, open, resilient, and energized. Energized. So you can build your business, balance your life, and leave your legacy. Ready to unleash your core power? Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. No matter where in the world you are tuning in from, welcome or welcome back to another episode of the Corpreneur Podcast. If you've stumbled upon this show for the first time, then I'm glad you're here. And I'm excited to bring you today's Corpreneur. She is a finance expert who will help you take a few key steps to become financially fit as women entrepreneurs. As you may well know, being an entrepreneur doesn't ensure your happiness and definitely does not ensure your success. You can be very broke, but happy at what you're doing. Every year, women start businesses only to crash and burn due to issues in finance. And even successful women entrepreneurs who've made it past the magical seven-figure mark could still be bootstrapping or struggling years later because they don't pay enough attention to their finances or don't have the right mindset around money and the higher purpose that their work serves. Maybe you feel stuck in some area as an entrepreneur or you're a corporate woman executive ready to make the break to entrepreneurial freedom, but you don't quite know how to ensure success. Well, today's show is for you. As you may know, if you hear or have heard my first episode, I continue to reach out and surround myself with women on the same path. Almost as I just said that, what I kind of really wanted to say, what just dropped into my spirit and into my head is I want to surround myself with women on the same vibrational path. That word just came in and I kind of disregarded it. I didn't say it. You know how that happens in your head and you filter and then you speak. So that might sound a little woo-woo to some people, but bear with me because maybe you can relate. You hear about the term good vibes, bad vibes. Well, good vibes are uplifting. I can't just talk to anyone about my business or finances. I can't ask non-entrepreneurial friends or family members that don't understand to encourage me or to pray for me, or really, I can't ask them for advice. And once you've achieved a certain level in your business acumen, there are less and less people that understand, especially about creating, birthing dreams, about building financial freedom through doing what you're called to do. Employees don't necessarily create. They may innovate, meaning they give and create within a certain boundary given to them, within a financial boundary to them, within a deadline given to them. But entrepreneurs are a little free flowing. They attract and funnel money from somewhere else. And they have a burden of responsibility towards their teams that they create around money to steward it well. And entrepreneurs are in it to win it. They're in it because of a higher purpose or calling. If they're a true entrepreneur, watch out world because you are about to change. These are the philanthropists, matriarchal founders, and people giving back, supporting charities, churches, and nonprofits because they're moving the needle with passion. The reality is the more you make, the more you can give. So having a healthy mindset around making lots of money is a good thing. Enter our guest today, Danielle Roberts. I'm excited to have her. Danielle is a finance, insurance, Medicare, entrepreneurship, 
and basically all around business expert. So although her business is focused on Medicare, we dialed in our conversation around the financial mindset of an entrepreneur. Danielle and I will be discussing some key topics that can help you prevent one of the biggest areas of failure in business, finances, and the mindset and what I call heart set around finances that you truly need to spearhead success and autonomy. So let me just gush on Danielle for a second and tell you about her. In the news, Danielle Roberts is everywhere. Her unmatched knowledge of the Medicare industry has led to many guest appearances and speaking opportunities. Danielle has really made it her mission to not only help boomers transition into Medicare, but also flourish in their retirement years. She and her brother created an almost eight-figure business, and she's been featured on many major news outlets, CNBC, MarketWatch, NBC News, Forbes, Business Insider, Bankrate, Stacking Benjamins, Reader's Digest, Small Business Trends, and the Huffington Post. And we are privileged to have her join the ranks of the corpreneur experts that are propelling us into the next era and helping move the needle of this corpreneur movement. And yes, I said next era. That's what I feel and know down to my very bone marrow. It's time, ladies. In 2020, we'll be seeing women who are taking their mountains like never before and bringing forth new tools that the earth and her people so desperately need. I saw a vision about it. I'm taking my mountain, so I'll see you at the top. For now, lean in and listen up because this is a great conversation to help you steer the ship to financially free waters. Hey, Danielle, how are you today? I'm terrific, and how are you? I'm excellent, thank you. I'm so happy to call you my newest corpreneur on the Corpreneur Podcast. Yes. You are totally impressive, and as you know, I just introduced you to our guests, so I'm looking forward to our conversation today. I am too. Yeah, so thank you for being here. The first thing that I wanna talk about is that, as we've discussed before, women are still making 70 to 80 cents on the dollar, and I have multiple wonderful women mentors in my life. One of my mentors in business is Sage Levine. And she always tells us that women are starting businesses faster than men, but they're failing faster than men as well. Mm. And so there's a couple things behind that. One of them is finances and you're a finance expert. So I love that you are in the corpreneur expert fold these days to teach our listeners to guide our listeners into a place where they can be more financially secure, mm -hmm. where they can think about business from a standpoint like this. Business goes like this. So if you're watching the video, I'm doing like a stock market, jagged edge, not so perfect line that goes from one side of the screen to the other. And it's on its way up, but it's in the dips of those big jagged edges that women kind of pull back and they fail. Yeah. Or they get discouraged or someone else around them discourages them. And that happens a lot. You know, the husband, the spouse, the friends that are all being like, why are you starting a business? And what are you doing? And so many women who have even been successful in business have gone through times. And like me, I've morphed, I've adapted. It's been since 2002, you get recession proof, mm -hmm. but you still get sidetracked or sucker punched later in life when a contract gets ripped out of your hands or a budget is cut in a contract in the middle of the year and you lose 
$200,000 of what you were planning for your team and your spend and the people you hired for something. And there was that little loophole in the contract and they were able to get out of it. And so many women get discouraged. So you're nodding a lot. I'm going to let you talk now because I think that you're really resonating with what I'm saying in terms of women-owned businesses. So as an expert, can you bring us any tips to the table that women can use to recession-proof themselves and get themselves ready to be financially fit? Yes. So one of the most important things, and I totally agree with what you're saying, especially with the jagged line, and that's just part of being an entrepreneur and knowing that going in is super helpful. But one thing that's important is to surround yourself with people that are going to remind you of why you've taken this step in the first place. So something I did early in my career back when it was literally just me and my brother in the business is I formed a little mini mastermind, I guess you could call it, although I had never heard of that word back then. I just met some other insurance agents who were like myself, starting out their businesses in the life and health and finance world. And we got together for a happy hour once a month. And we had an opportunity to share our wins and our losses. And that community around you can be so important because sometimes you don't always get the type of support that you may need from your family or your spouse. There are things that play into that, that can often make it actually more difficult for you to keep positive and succeed. So if you surround yourself with other entrepreneurs, especially if they're in the same stage of business that you're in, or just a little bit ahead of you, that is really positive because you can talk to each other about the things that frustrate you. You will hear that back from those people and you'll know that you're not the only one. It's very lonely sometimes to be an entrepreneur and being around other people who understand is so helpful. Yes. And one of the people that I worked with was a lady that was about one year ahead of me in the insurance industry. So she was a little further along and that was actually perfect because, you know, we can all go follow the Grant Cardones of the world and, you know, see major wealth out there. But when you're looking at somebody that's 20 years ahead of you, or 20x times what you're currently earning, it can be easy to find no common ground there. So find yourself a mentor or a circle of friends that are right around where you are, a little ahead of you. I can remember calling her when I had a couple policies cancel on the same day. And you know, in the beginning, when you're building, every sale is so Mm -hmm. important and you want that sale to stick on the books. And we had been selling group health insurance policies and individual health insurance policies. And people go back to work And then they cancel their insurance. And I can remember calling her on a really tough day and saying, am I going to be able to make it? Like, this just seems like sometimes like I'm spinning my wheels. And she was like, nope, that's why we're in this business because we have other policies that are going to pay us and there'll be a new one tomorrow. And even that little tip that she gave me over the phone made me feel so much better. And it gave me the little kick that I needed to get up and face the next day. And that's really important in the beginning, wouldn't you say? Oh, so important. Mentorship is definitely a big part of my life. I have several in my corner. I've been a coach, have coaches. I've been a mentor, have mentors. And I'm a mentor now to someone I have several in my life, as I just said, and it's critical. I think another piece is that women who are starting a small women-owned business or any business, when, when they're first getting started, until you have that magical number of five employees, it's hard to provide benefits. It's yeah. hard to think about what are the right financial measures that I need to put 
in my business so that I'm protecting myself. So I'm putting money away for a 401k. So I am financially fit in the business. So I have maximum net growth and I'm not looking just at gross revenue. So there's so many financial features. You know, people don't even know what a PL statement is. The first <laughs> few years, they're like, hi, I'm, you know, when I got out, it was, I, I'm a medical information expert in the pharmaceutical industry. That was 2004 that the morphing and then the changing and, and what you do in your expertise grows as you grow. So learning to modulate, I'll say, I think that's a pretty good word, your finances along the way and the way you budget yourself along the way is critical. What advice would you give our entrepreneurial listeners? So, you know, sometimes when you start a business, you have some financial backing and then other people who start a business don't have any money coming in at all and they're going to bootstrap, which is a lot of the way that I started my business. And you can choose your model. One thing I always like to share is that money is faster than time. So if you're looking at how you're going to grow your business in a financially secure manner, then you need to have your finances in place up front. And then you need to decide whether you're willing to take on an investor or invest some of your own savings to help that growth go a little faster. Or if you want to do it the old elbow grease way, you can do that and it'll be a little less money that you have to put forward, but you're going to grow a little bit slower. Yes. I did it the second way and I did put a little bit of money into the business, but not a lot. I chose not to have investors and I did put in a lot of the elbow grease. And I think it's really important in that early stage to set yourself some goals that are very realistic. So, you know, if you go into business and you say, I want to make $100,000 a year, this is my first goal. That's a very common first goal for women. Yes. That's great, but you might not achieve that in your first year. I certainly didn't. I think my take home in the 2005 was $13,000. <laughs> so, you know, I was eating peanut butter to survive, but I set myself very realistic goals. And so I didn't try to leap for the fences right out of the gate. I set some goals. And then if I would look at my numbers at the end of the year, I could very carefully go back and say, okay, well, this is some things that I did that made me get to this point. And these are some things that maybe held me back a little bit. So when you're setting those kind of goals early in your business, you will be more likely to stick with them if you make them reasonable. And if you're not sure what a reasonable goal is, go out and find someone who is doing what you're doing and ask them what they earned their first year. Exactly. I've talked to lots of insurance agents over the years. They find me on LinkedIn. They're constantly sending requests for a little uh, motivation or I'm on my first year. Could you tell me anything that's important? And that's one of those things that you really have to have solid so that you don't get discouraged. And so find someone that's similar or is in a similar business and ask them what they earned their first year. You may be very surprised to find out it's not nearly as much as you would think. Yeah. And it will make you feel more realistic about the goals that you do set. So you want to have that kind of goal. But I also think it's okay to dream big. Yes. So you can set a five-year or a 10-year goal financially and work toward that without compromising the first year goal. So if you give yourself something realistic, you're going to find that that's going to affect your attitude and your positivity a lot. And that's just so important in those early years when there's so many other things that could discourage you. Absolutely. You want to have those little wins that you get along the way. So that's, that's something that I would advise for anybody that's new and thinking about making that leap. I think that's great. You know, realistic goal setting, you hear so much about it all the time, but actually putting numbers down on paper, yeah. working yourself up to those numbers and not being disappointed. It's like the old saying, you reach for the moon 
mm-hmm. and you might fall among the stars. So yeah. if you don't get that 100,000, even if you got 13,000 in your very first year, what a mm-hmm. wonderful example. When I talk yeah. with business owners like you who have had such success and <laughs> I know it in my own life, it humbles you even more to look back to those foundational stages mm-hmm. or to those days when there's been crash and burn and you've recovered from it. You build the R in core, which is resilience. So, yes. you know, you kind of are building your strength along the way as you're on that rocky road up the mountain, which is your mountain. Now you have achieved success. So, you know, who would be somebody that you'd look down and say, oh, I wish I knew this when very specific to finances for women in business. If, if you gave them like maybe a couple, two or three tips of what you should do now, you know, really nitty gritty tips that if you'd say, oh, I wish I would have made that tweak, maybe switch to QuickBooks or do your 401k before, you know, I, I don't know what, what would be a few things that just come to mind for you? Yeah, you know, and there's so many, like you you can get your brain swimming on it. And one of the things about the resilience that you just mentioned is when you get further along, you will look back on those years and you'll look on them fondly. So, you know, I remember the cold calling and all the things that weren't fun. But when you achieve the success and you look back, you can be proud of that you earned 13,000 in your first year because that was your first money that you earned all on your own. And you're able to kind of own that, you know? Yes. Making money out of thin air. How yeah. fun is that? Really, that's what it is. It we is. Are, we're a magnet for money as an entrepreneur. It has to flow through us and it has to flow into our company. Mm-hmm. And it's not about us. It's always about the customer or the goal or the higher calling or whatever it is. So what do you call that? What's at the center of your business? What keeps you grounded during the down times? Mm-hmm. So, you know, certainly there is a spiritual aspect and you can, depending on what you personally believe, you can rely on that. And another aspect is to look at the things in your life that are really the most important. So if you have a time when you're struggling a little bit, sometimes you have to take a step back and remember what matters and that Mm -hmm. always hitting the next goal is not always the most important thing. So you're going to have learning that you have along the way in your business you might, like myself, have moved from something where it used to be in the beginning, you're focused all on the money, but then along the way, you find out that you meet people that you really care about. I love some of the clients. um, We're in the Medicare annual election period right now. And I love the ones that send an email and they'll be like, well, hey, how are you doing? I remember when it was just you and your brother. (laughs) And, you know, they've been with you for 12 years and they're proud of your success. And you remember sitting across the table from them when you were the small fry. (laughs) And those people are still with you all those years later and you really care about them and they care about you. And so there becomes a, a community within your business that's really important. I think I had shared with you a little before we got yeah. started here today too, that along the way you, you can find that same thing with the people who work for you. Mm-hmm. I really find that I put a lot of focus on that now, now that I've achieved a stable income of my own. My brother and I look at the end of every year and we want to know what we can implement that's better for our employees, what's better for their future. Are they getting enough time off work? You sometimes have to remember yes. that no one in your business is going to work as hard on your business as, as you, you. Will work. And you can't <laughs> 
expect that from that either. You can't be disappointed when you don't get it. You instead want to have them go home and have that time so they can come back to work and be mentally recharged and fulfilled and enjoy their job. Yes. So I do remember in the beginning when it was all about numbers for me because I was trying to scrape together enough to eat and pay my bills. And then there came a time where you have lots of extra money and that's enjoyable. But it's funny how your priorities really change along the way. And if you are someone that draws upon something spiritual, I like to take a few quiet minutes every day and just reflect on yesterday and what's good in my life and maybe say a prayer. Yes. It helps you to focus on not just yourself and not just the financial aspect, but all the other things that go into it. And those things, by the way, are so important for you ultimately achieving the financial goals that you set for yourself. Because there's got to be more to getting up and going to work every day than just what is my paycheck going to be at the end of this month. So good, Danielle. So good. I, you know that I can't agree more because the center of core is, is, and and the center of the word corepreneur stands for centered, open, resilient, and energized and in some ways, when you're talking about praying and kind of just giving that gratitude time, you're, you're talking about being centered on what really matters most and what is a driving force. Have you had any of those, we've talked about them before, download moments where you've just gotten this brilliant idea for your business that became a struggle to create, but then later on, it turned into a financial win? Yeah. One of the most important ones I can tell you about, and I'm always coming up with these ideas in the weirdest places. Yeah, right. <laughs> Something you'll experience as an entrepreneur is the 2 a.m. when your eyes pop open. Oh, yes. You've suddenly solved a problem that you've been percolating on for weeks. Yes. But your brain is still working on that when you're asleep at night. And you sometimes will wake up in the morning, but sometimes it'll wake you up earlier and you suddenly have the answer to this thing. Or you might be in the shower or on the drive to work. You might be listening to a podcast like this one, (laughs) something, you know, suddenly clicks and makes sense. And you're rushing to the office to try to write it all down before you lose the thought that you had. But one of the most important things that happened in my business is in the beginning as an insurance agent in the financial sector, I used to run appointments personally. So I'd be driving out to people's homes, sitting down across the kitchen table with them. And I remember thinking, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this because these people are so grateful for my help in explaining Medicare and helping them set up their policies. Yeah. And they'll say, I, I'm so lucky I stumbled across you. I didn't know there were people like you. And, and you start thinking, wow, I'm not going to be able to reach all of the people who need my help. If I keep personally running these appointments, I'm going to have to you know, figure out a way to do this online or by phone. Yes. And I took that and talked to a bunch of other insurance agents, you know, mostly older men who'd been in the business for 30 or 40 years who basically laughed at that idea and said, seniors don't use the internet. They're always going to be a kitchen table sale. That's a silly idea and you might as well, you know, not pursue it. And that really just kind of gave me the gumption to say, well, okay, well watch me because I'm going to go out and try it and try this. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I can always come back to running appointments. Well, you know, now we do business in 48 states and we write thousands of policies a month and all of that is on phone and online. And people say all the time, I really didn't know if I would be able to understand this. But once I got on the phone with the Boomer Benefits agent, you know, now it all makes sense to me. And so we're able to help so many thousands more people. And that's great, of course, for your income and building your business, but it's also great for your heart and your soul when people come back and give a review on your business or just tell you how much that meant to them. Sometimes in enlightening someone or giving them some understanding about something that they found difficult 
it really affects them in a profound way. And when they share that with you, it affects you in a profound way as well. So, you know, that was kind of one of the early things that I noticed. And then something right along those lines just after that was I would be coming out of an appointment with someone that I sold a new policy to, and I would have three or four messages on my cell phone from other people that were already on the books with me that were having a problem. So I realized, geez, if I'm sitting with a new client writing new business, I'm going to sometimes be neglecting the people that have already chosen to make me their agent and give me that business. And, you know, how do I solve this problem? And again, I went and thought on it for some weeks and eventually came up with, I'm going to have to hire staff and build a team to do this. And there really wasn't a good example of that. A lot of times in the insurance world, a client calls with a question and their agent will send them to the 1-800 number on the back of their ID card. And nobody wants that answer. They want you to solve their problem. So we set out to do that. And I went and hired away an employee that used to work with me at a previous job. She came to work for me also for beans because we were making very little money back then. And I put her in that role and she was the one taking the phone calls while we were running the appointments. And eventually she then became someone who ran the appointments and we brought everything in house. And, you know, now we have this legendary client service team that people talk about across the industry that costs us over a million dollars a year in payroll to support mm-hmm. the policyholders, but it's something that very few other businesses can offer. And so it creates persistency in the business. Mm-hmm. It creates happy clients. And those are some of those light bulb moments like that, where you might get an idea and think, okay, well, I could do this, but you know, there's going to be some challenges. Maybe there's no one else's example to follow, or maybe it's going to cost you some money. Maybe it's going to delay some of those profits that you're yeah. dreaming about a little bit further, but it's in the long run going to yes. business into this catastrophic atmosphere, the atmosphere of beyond what you ever dreamed. And you need to be able to recognize when those little moments tickle in your brain to mm-hmm. stop and give them some attention. So stop where you are, pull your car over, get up and turn the yeah. nightlight on, write something write down. down. I used to sleep with a book next to my mm-hmm. bed with a pen. And when those ideas came, I got up and spent a few minutes on them and they've really resulted in a lot of achievements for us. Yes. I'm, I'm exactly the same way. I've done the same thing. I've hired <laughs> someone from the other company and I'm like, I can yeah. get you to do so much. Let's just do this. I'll train you. We'll do it. And, and that's just kind of how, you know, really everything that you just talked about and touched on attributes to scale and scaling is hard because it's like, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? People don't know, do I hire first so that I can free myself up or do I wait for a contract or wait for enough business so that I can afford that person? And then in the meantime, you're doing everything yourself. That happens all too often. So that's like the opposite of the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, right? Which is delegate everything, hire everybody and delegate everything. Um, What's the happy medium financially for, for entrepreneurs? Yeah, you know, you have to, one thing about being an entrepreneur is you are your own best source of effort, work, and savings because you can take on a lot of workload that you then don't pay someone else, but you also have to make sure that you don't burn yourself out. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes the happy medium is, putting together a plan, determining if you can afford to bring someone in to fill that role. If you can't, if it's not quite time for you to bring that person in your business and you are tapped out and you don't have the hours to give, then you need to look at a contractor or virtual assistant 
which fortunately today is so easy and you can bring on amazing people in your business. So maybe you are doing a prototype and you're developing a role that eventually is going to be a full-time employee when you can afford that. But maybe right now it's just 10 hours a week and you're hiring someone, you know, you can find these people in your circle of friends, but there's also services online like Upwork where you can go and meet people to do this. And sometimes it might feel like a stretch that you're going to be paying someone a little bit, but you always have to remember there's only so much of you to go around and you're the idea generator, you're the visionary, and you can't compromise all those things and make yourself just the worker bee. Right. So if there's something that you can offload like that and you can't afford a full-time person, look at a part-time person so that you can continue to be that visionary in your business. Exactly. You're delegating the things that you can. Yeah. Great, great answer and absolute truth. I think a lot of people get stuck in the how and they Mm. go cheap in the beginning and and then they end up redoing, right? Like I'll go with this website and then in a year they're changing. And then in the next year they're changing again, or I'll go with Fiverr and then I'm going with Upwork. Now there's nothing bad or good about these things, but if you're not, if you're trying to go cheap, it just never seems to serve you. Budgeted is maybe a different and better way to look at it. I don't know if you agree or not. Like thinking about something, but getting quality and doing things once and not second guessing yourself of what tools to use, what should I, you know, who cares? Like everybody's using different (laughs) stuff. Once you've been around the block and and you've been an entrepreneur for a long time, over 10 years, let's just say, success comes with what works for you. (laughs) And it doesn't mean you have to implement somebody else's perfect strategy system because there's so much just noise online Mm -hmm. that I'm trying to cut through some of that noise on this podcast. So gosh, any last minute tidbits of information for finances for our listeners today? Yes. A couple of things. If you are, if you're going to start a business and you want to do it lean, one thing I would tell people is don't fall for partnering with someone that you don't know very well because you want Mm. to double your finances per se going into your business or you are not so confident in yourself. I would say any new business person, unless you know someone really, really well and you know their work ethic and everything, believe in yourself enough to give this a try for six months before you consider something like that because you can give away so much. You can make a mistake. I made that mistake early in my business. It probably cost me 18 months to two years of time and effort. So if anyone can learn from that, I thought, well, yeah, I'll bring in these two other partners and we can all contribute money to the business and it will be Mm -hmm. faster. Mm -hmm. I really don't recommend that. Not unless you know someone really well, in right. my case, eventually, Good advice. my brother, I know his work ethic, <laughs> and we did that together. But believe in yourself enough that you can at least do the first six months before you make that decision so that you don't spend unnecessarily or have to backtrack. Yes. And then also, I think in the beginning of the business, one of the things that helped us was we established a credit line. And I was surprised to find that you have your personal credit and that doesn't carry over into the business world. We got turned down for a $300 limit Office Depot card. And I was, oh my God. <laughs> I was appalled. Like I have this great credit. It doesn't count for anything. And it doesn't. So establish a bank account early, even if you have just a very small little bit of money in there. Once you have a business savings account, a lot of times the bank will give you a credit card. It might be a secured credit card that you make a deposit onto, but a lot of times they'll link it to your bank account. That's a way for you to start establishing some credit. And even if all you do is go out and buy a pack of pens and paper and put that on your credit card once a month, but you pay the bill and pay and it off, <laughs> right? Yes, pay it off, build that credit because as the business goes on, there will be times where you need to purchase something or make an investment that's a little further along that doesn't require you to go get a big loan, but you need 
a thousand or two thousand dollars and you may not have that cash flow well having a credit card with enough of a limit on there or a credit line through a bank that you've mm -hmm. developed a relationship with is yes. important so don't delay going and taking care of your financial house with yes. the business go and set up a bank account put a little bit of money in it have a relationship with that banker and that's going to make all of those things easy so those are some really simple and, and seems like financial tips that a lot of people would know but I didn't coming into the business and I kind of learned that along the way so if that can save anybody else from doing that too late I'm glad to share that information that's great thank you so much I think that is fantastic where can we find more of you online Danielle Sure. So we are Boomer Benefits. And of course, you can find us on any social media out there. We have almost 400,000 followers on Facebook who are baby boomers for the most part. And remember that insurance agent told me they would never be online. Well, they are. So if you want to take a look at our social media and how that works, you can find us anywhere there. And our website is boomerbenefits.com. Okay. And I also have a personal website, which is just daniellekroberts.com, where I have some of my tips on entrepreneurship and finances for an entrepreneurship. So that might also be another great way for some of your listeners to connect. Yes. You have some great blog posts on there. Like what about women over 50? I just turned 50. So so I read that one. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, we'll have the links all down below for you. And Danielle, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure. So welcome to the Corpreneur Expert Academy. <laughs> yes, my pleasure. I'm so excited to be part of it. Yes. These conversations are here specifically to help women become better entrepreneurs and go faster, farther with uh, their core strength that they already inherently have. They just sometimes forget. So thank you for being our finance expert. Really appreciate you. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave me a rating and review. If you are ready to make your move to entrepreneurial freedom and success, success. then take action now. Head over to my website, anarvizu.com, and get our most requested free download. Your 10-step corporate to freedom checklist is a transformational self-assessment tool that will help you visualize and create a life and business you truly deserve. Until next time, stay centered, open, resilient, and energized. energized.